Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Screen. I'm your host, Ryan Gum. I'm joined here today by Donovan Lanehart and Cole Ballinger, as always. You are listening to the Elephant Corduroids and their single, You Ain't Ever Tried. If you listen, link, as always, is in the description. The forever and always beginning and outro of our beloved show. Going back down now. So I do want to say something before we start. I want to appreciate all you guys that watched the last one. Because I know 100 views doesn't seem like a lot. It's really not. But for us... That's a pretty good landmark. We've hit it a couple times, but to hit it again is kind of cool. So thank you for tuning in when those of you that do, because that's kind of a cool mark on, especially on this channel. So we're, we're growing. We are growing. Bigger, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So before we get started into the world of cinema and the news that follows, how are you guys? I'm great. How about you? Well, I can't complain, man. I'm here. Having a good time. Yeah. I feel the air on my face for the first time in months and it's kind of <laughs> weird. Looks like a wee baby. I am a child. For those that can't see because of the mic, it's brand new. Like, I feel like I just got it, like, off the press. Like, I, I went to the store and I bought it and I applied it. I shaved for those listening on Spotify. I didn't know that Ryan was boyishly attractive. But but he is. He looks great. Yeah? He does, yeah. Yeah? Hey, man, you better be careful over there. Oh. Giving me all these compliments. <laughs> crawl across this red tape. <laughs> ah, I have rose petals in my backpack. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's up to you at home to decide if I'm telling the truth or not. Anyway, um, I think it's time to move on to film news. So we start with something kind of sad. And I mean, I think it's good to get it out of the way at the beginning. Uh, Lance Reddick, I don't know if you guys have seen much of his work, but he, he was a fantastic talent. Um, famous for The Wire, John Wick. And he was in, or the new um, Percy Jackson series. He was Zeus. Mm -hmm. and Or he is going to be Zeus. It's not come out yet. Um, he has tragically passed away at the age of 60, which just feels young. You know, there's so much more he could have done. And so I, I just wanted to give a, the respect to a beloved actor cut down in his prime. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Um, Creed 3 has surpassed the $200 million mark, outgrossing every other Rocky franchise film, with the exception of one, Creed 2. And it's just behind it. This came out a few days ago, and it was at 200, and Creed 2 was at 214. So I, I don't know if it's, like, right about to pass it. I know it hasn't just yet, but it's about to. I would say after this weekend, it will be the highest-grossing Rocky franchise film of all time. People are hyped about this movie, man. It's yeah. supposed to be pretty good, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm... It's kind of sad because it's without Sly, without Mr. Stallone himself. Um, 
But it's good to see that this franchise is in good hands. What do you think, Donnie? I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the franchise except for, you know, first few Rockies. I mm-hmm. like those. But that's a lot of money, dude. I know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to surpass it. Last episode, we were talking about how film is back. Mm-hmm. I think this is just another example. We were talking about Creed specifically, but to see it cross. Another film crossed $200 million. Ridiculous. People are going to the theater. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. Go to the theater. Yeah. PSA that we will say every episode. I just wonder if this uh, trend will carry on into the summer. You know, now people are at the theater. It's I will. And stuff. I think it will, and I'll tell you why. One word, Oppenheimer. Barbie Hammer. Barbie Heimer. Yeah, that's a better word. <laughs> you said counterpoint. <laughs> Barbie Heimer. Man, that movie's going to make a billion dollars. Barbie or Oppenheimer? Both. Both? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I mean, why not at that point? If I, I owned a drive-in, you better believe I'd have the double feature. That's something that needs to come back. The drive-in. I've I know. never been. You've never been to a drive-in? Never been. To oh, a my gosh. The experiences I had as a kid going to a drive-in with my know. family. I remember so vividly, you'd pull up and on the screen, it'd be like, tune your radios to this station. And they would be playing the audio of the movie over the station. So like what we would do is like my dad would back his truck in, lower the the tailgate, and then he would just open. He had like a window in the back that would pop open on his blazer. He would just pop open the window, crank up his radio, and we all just be like laying out on his, on the back of his truck and his bed watching a movie. We do that too. We'd put a futon in the bed of a truck. Oh, dude, that's oh, so yeah. smart. Yeah, and just back it up. I saw uh, The Dark Knight in a drive-in. See, yeah. We watched a Disney cartoon when, when, we, when we did it. I See, you guys, we, we, we brought blankets. Yeah. <laughs> we laid on the blankets in the back of this bed. Asking a family of six to come and spit on my windshield because it's too dirty <laughs> to see the movie. Yeah, what? <laughs> 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 Y'all got a bottle of water in there or something? No, no, man. You got that natural water? Yeah, come yeah. on. I know. No, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, man, you're missing out with all the points we made, including your last one. You know, you're missing out on the on the theater on the drive-in. Well, they got one in Stanford. I'm not going down. They had one close to where I grew up near Ashland. I think like long before, but I think it's well well dead now. It's gone. Sad times, man. Um, anyway, we always do this. We started with Creed 3 and we got to the drive-in. Um, but following Creed 3, according to Jeff Snyder, who is a cinema and like Hollywood insider via the Geekster on Instagram, who I, I hype them up all the time. I always forget to put their link in the description. I always have like I have the retainer rest- uh, link for the other YouTube video for the, the intro. Then I never remember to go to Instagram and like copy and paste it. So I'm sorry, the geekster. I hope you can forgive me. But um, anyway, I will get you on this one. Lucasfilm, Cole, can you please move your mouse? You're blocking my words. Thank you. Uh, we're on a Google Doc as before, and he pre- he'll press at the very end of a sentence, and his name will just be over the words. It happens every week. I know. I'm sorry. Lucasfilm's has plans to announce three new films for Star Wars in this upcoming April Star Wars celebration. I'm kind of pessimistic about it, not going to lie. I know they canceled Rogue Squadron, mm. and they're trying to move away from Taika Waititi mm. because he's really not what Star Wars needs. I think they should get it the hell away from Taika. Um, he's a great mind, but his world just doesn't fit. No. Like, he creates a very, like, distinct universe with whatever project yeah he can't be serious no i mean he he did really well when he was in the mandalorian but he was playing a character 
you know, and like that. So like that's not so much him. He wrote a few episodes. Yeah, did a few episodes. Yeah, so like he's got the ability. Um, we have any ideas about what era these might take place in? I think so. One of them, and so this comes later, and I'm, I'll find it here in a second. But um, there is a new Star Wars. Yeah, here it is, and we'll come back to Stephen Knight, who is the creator of Peaky Blinders. For those that don't know, um, Stephen Knight's been busy. He's a busy guy. Um, but he was pegged to write the, a new Star Wars film that takes place after the sequel trilogy. So after Ray and after Finn and all that. Um, originally, that was supposed to have been written by, uh, let's see, Damien Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson. But both of them left the project. Um, weeks before Disney and Star Wars actually announced they left, they dipped and then Disney kept it shh, hush. Um but then they brought in Stephen Knight, so I think one of these will be this film because it's un like they've they've only said when it will be. They haven't said what the project is, um, so I think that one will be one that will be announced is the Stephen Knight written Star Wars film. Um, but other than that, I have no clue. You know, uh, surprisingly, I love the sequel trilogy. Did you really? I really like it. I've changed my mind on it. Um, Hit me I with why. That- <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's got its problems. Mm-hmm. Um, really bad writing. Um, Lazy but, writing. Yeah, but I think I like the world that they built. Um, and I do, even though the characters are lazily written, I do like Ray, Finn, and Poe. Like, I, I really like all those characters. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see what comes after. Yeah, honestly. Um, see, here's a, my one thing that will always have, like, a place in my heart with the sequel trilogy because I also don't like the last one I'm very mad at still but I don't dislike it simply because of just the 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 hype that was surrounding it I'll never forget being a high schooler like late middle schooler early high schooler when these movies were coming out and trying to guess who Ray was and the hype with my like just my friends group if you can't tell I've been a nerd for a long time uh, um, but just like you know what I'm saying like at the lunch table being like no raise a Kenobi no just the yelling back and forth of something so stupid but it's like I'll never forget that hype I'll never forget going and seeing the, the Force Awakens and being so blown away by it that was like my my first in my life that I remember Star Wars experience and so like like in the theater brand new because like the other the, the sequel or the prequel trilogy came out 99 before I was born 03 I was 2 and 05 I was 4 so I, I saw Revenge of the Sith in the so, and you remember that? Yeah. See, I I don't remember. Like, I would even if I went to go see it, I wouldn't have remembered. So it's like just having that sequel trilogy being what it is. Like, it'll always be higher than what it should be, in my opinion, because of that. So I, I agree with you, but for a different reason about the sequel. I, I didn't really like the past sequels. I loved the prequels as a kid. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I really don't care for, like, what they've done in the past. Yeah. Besides The Force Awakens, when that came out, I like that. It's a good movie. You know, we really sat there in high school at the lunch table and <laughs> said that Jar Jar Binks was going to be the main villain yeah. as a Skywalker. We Darth Jar Jar? Yeah. Yeah. That's still, you know, that's still like a really prominent theory that he was like the main like catalyst for the downfall of the Jedi Order. It's true. <laughs> Is you it? Watch the films, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a politician in the Senate. Uh, so I, we can go ahead and move on off Star Wars because the only reason I'm cutting it short is because I could sit and talk about Star Wars for the entire episode. On May the 4th, we have to have just a Star Wars a day. Like, let us know if you want that. Anyway, um, moving on. This one has, like, there's a couple RDJ 
casting news. And I, that has me really intrigued because RDJ is Robert Downey Jr. And he is a beloved talent. But since Iron Man and since his exit in Marvel, he's only had a couple of projects and not all of them were good. He did uh, Dr. Doolittle and that was a bad movie. I hate to call it bad or any film bad because of the effort that goes into it, but it was not a good film. And then he did one other, I think, and it was me. Don't look up. Was that it? I don't. With Leo. He's, he's not in that. Adam McKay. Or are you talking about Robert Downey Jr.? Robert Downey Jr. Oh, okay. No, no, no he was in Doolittle, and he might have been in one more. Okay. That I think was. I, I could be wrong, but first in the RDJ casting news, Art Pattinson and RDJ will co-star in the next Adam McKay film, Average Height. Average build and when I first read that I was like man, this is gonna be a weird film because when you hear that title You're like wow, what could this be about? Um, not what you would imagine it is about a serial killer who becomes a politician strictly to try to lessen the laws around murder (laughs) That is his whole point. He's like I'm gonna be a politician I've not been caught yet because when I do get caught. I don't want the needle that was that's his whole point and it stars Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Pattinson I'm intrigued. I'm more than intrigued. And it's Adam McKay, so it'll be good. It has to be. I mean, when you get those two stars and that director, like, it's it, recipe. The title could be different. Yeah. Like, seems a little. I want to watch the movie to see where that comes from. Average height, average build. Like, why? Because, like, in my mind, okay, you bring in serial killer. What if, like, he's like, that's his type. Like, he can only kill people of average height and average build. Because. Say it's Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is not a very tall guy. Like, he is of average height and average build. So it's like, that would be an interesting, like, little loop. Thoughts? What else did Adam McKay do? Don't look up. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I didn't like that. You didn't like Don't Look Up? No. Really? I didn't care for it. But he directed Step Brothers. So. Yeah. I love Step Brothers. Oh, yeah, man. He's really stepped out of, the, out, out of the comedy. Like, like he's kept satirical elements, like and Don't Look Up. Like, it's very serious, but that's it's kind of making fun of the fact that nobody really cares. Yep. I'm interested in your opinion about Don't Look Up. I just, I don't know how to describe it. I just did not care for it. What about it? Was it the story? Yeah, I mean, it's satire. I get it. You know, I just didn't think it was all that. Yeah. Interesting. It was frustrating, but that was the point. Yeah, yeah it was the point. And, and is that what you were just like? Yeah, I, like I don't. This doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Okay. That makes like well, I can respect that. I, I get that. it. Yeah. I thought it was a very powerful film. Yeah. Good satire. Yeah. Um, great performances. Leo, again, as always, just blows it out of the water. I'm shocked he didn't get nominated for anything from that. Yeah. Because he, his performance, I mean, it's it's Leo DiCaprio, so like, yeah, but his performance in that, like you said, it was powerful. But, moving on, Adam McKay got another Allstruck cast, and I'm very, very excited about Average Height, Average Build. Moving on, sticking with Robert Downey Jr., this one is is a dual-edged sword, because, well, let me just read it. RDJ is also set to star in a Paramount Pictures remake of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo with Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight writing. So we're back to Stephen Knight sticking with RDJ. You don't need to remake this, man. Exactly. No. Like like Paramount, Vertigo is a perfect film. 
Don't remake Hitchcock. Don't do it. Make something new. It's perfect. It is perfect. He looks like the guy, though. I know. Well, so, like, I was, I've was. i read that he was cast, and I've also read that he is wanting to be cast. So it could be either or. I think it's kind of a mixture of the two. I think it's probably, like, he is tied to the to the project, but he's not been cast yet, but he will be. Um, yes, he does look like the, the lead. I can't remember what the character's name was in Vertigo. But, man, like, you don't remake Hitchcock, dude. You don't, like, he's one of the, like, founding fathers of, like, present-day cinema. Just leave it alone. Just watch the old stuff. Because here's the thing. Regardless of how good this film is, it's always going to be a disappointment. This could be the best film ever. Genuinely. This remake of Vertigo could be the best film to have ever been put to screen. But because it's trying to remake one of the best films already, it's just going to be a letdown. So spend your money somewhere else. Cast RDJ in something worth casting. Ugh. Like, I'm intrigued. I will watch it. But it's yeah. like... Paramount. Come on, man. Don't do this. <laughs> Don't. But they are. Alas. I've got a casting. Okay. Oh, this is an old lady now. For the new one? Yeah. As the girl. She looks like... Uh... Oh, she's too old. What's going on? Sherilyn Finn from Twin Peaks. The oh, as the girl yeah. From Vertigo. She she would have been perfect in like the 90s. But she's kind of an old lady now. I mean, she could still have a role, but it just wouldn't be that one. Wouldn't be that one. No. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're doing with that. That's dumb. Just don't. Like, can you think of any other Hitchcock film to be remade? Because I don't, I don't think there's one that you can or should. The Birds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. I just think it. I think Hitchcock hits such a unique, like his flavor that he creates whenever he made when he made films is so unique and distinct that if you try to recreate it, it's just going to seem tacky. They remade Psycho, didn't they? Though there was a sequel or a like a prequel series oh, on. Based on it was bait. Yeah. Yeah. I and, thought they did like a two. Psycho, like there that. might be well so there were sequels to it there was psycho 2 and all that but that one wasn't really i don't know if if psycho 2 was connected to hitchcock though but there, there have been multiple like but no one's ever remade psycho i don't think unless there was just some 1970 something film where they decided they were going to remake it which could very well be possible psycho sanitarium 2016 i don't think that's connected to the bates motel or the or the Hitchcock film is it, if it is I'm gonna be sad. It's on the Wikipedia. Look, all the, the series. No, Psycho Sanitarium. That's a thing. For why? I don't know. What's Nor Norman's Hotel Murder Case, 2013? Mm. I'm curious now. I want to know the uh, the synopsis of Psycho Sanitarium. It says it's a book. I think it's actually just called Sanitarium. And it was a series. Okay. See, I'm seeing a 2013 film called Sanitarium. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, that is directed by Brian Ortiz. Um, three patients in an insane asylum experience, hallucinations, altered realities, and imaginary voices. That's it. It's got three different directors. 
I don't think this is connected. I mean, it might be. It's got the kid from Gotham in it. The dude who played, uh, he's, uh, I can't, I don't know how his last name is pronounced. I think it, David Mazows, Mazows, M-A-Z-O-U-Z, Mazows. He played Bruce, young Bruce Wayne oh, in Gotham. Okay. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's in this film. I don't know. I mean, if it, if it is in the <clears throat> cash grab, that's all it is. Um, but yeah, back to the point, as we've said before, don't remake. And then we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. This one hit me right in the, the nostalgia bone. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is getting a new movie at Netflix called Power Rangers all or once and always. And it looks pretty good. They, Rita, the, the titular villain of the original nineties run of the show is back. A bunch of the original cast is back from the 90s show, including most of those who left on bad terms. Uh, and it, it looks really fun. I mean, you don't, I don't think they really need it. I've seen a lot of backlash towards it. Like, or I shouldn't say a lot, just like a decent amount of backlash towards it being like, we don't need this. Like, it, the newer ones are underrated and we don't need the old because they are, they've aged 30 years. But I saw it and I smiled because, you know, I watched Mighty Morphin growing up. I was a big Power Rangers kid. So the idea of this, and this is what's most interesting. For anyone that has followed anything Power Rangers or film will know that uh, there was a death in the Power Rangers community, I'm not, which I'm not a part of, but it is a thing. It's a weird sentence to say. But Jason David Frank, who played Tommy, the Green Ranger, he was the Black Ranger in Dino Thunder, I think. I watched a lot as a kid. Huh. Um, that one in particular, I watched a lot of Dino Thunder. But anyway, Jason David Frank was in that. And he had he has since passed away, tragically, last year. What's interesting about this trailer is that within it, you see the Green Ranger in a few shots. He never speaks. He's never doing anything other than, like, hanging out and posing, power posing with the rest of them. But he's there. And you can't have the Green Ranger if it's not Jason David Frank. Now, he was doing a lot of projects before he passed away, so there's a big theory that he is in the suit one last time as Tommy, and that there was, no, like, it was hidden, and that now that this film's coming out, that's going to be something they kind of, like, drop on everybody. Is that the Green Ranger is, in fact, in the film, and one last time, Tommy makes an appearance to fight. Did they know he was going to die? Like, did he expect to? He took his own life. <clears throat> so no one expected him, no. It was, I remember when it happened, and I was pretty sad for a while. Cause that's this Tommy, you know, like Power Rangers, man. Like when uh, it was a it was a big deal, it really was, and it was it's tragic because he was creating his own. It, it's not Power Rangers, but it was like he got a Kickstarter campaign and was creating his own film based on Power Rangers, and so it was like the similar like power, like the suit and stuff, but it was more like it wasn't so much kid oriented. It was gonna be more adult like, but with his own lore, and he was like he was the lead in it, and I think it was just about finished when he passed. I don't know if that one's going to get released. I don't know if it's already released. I haven't caught, uh, kept up with it. But there is a few things that Jason David Frank was really invested in. And I'd like to see them. Just as a fan. Just just my childhood self. I haven't watched Power Rangers since I was nine. But I'm still like, please let me see it. Like, I will watch this film just to, just to be like, you know, I remember this. Strictly. Did any of you watch Power Rangers as a kid? Am I the only one? I watched it. Uh, yeah, I watched it when I was little. I can't remember much about it. Did you watch the newer one with, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, 2017. Yeah, no, I didn't watch that. It was, you, I think Baker it was, wasn't it Brian Cranston as, uh, as Zordon? 
The big head, I think he was. I'm pretty sure. Because he was bald again. Wasn't he? I wonder if this is like yeah, a good yeah. movie. It has a 51 on the so tomatoes. So from what I've heard, like I said, I've not seen it, but from what I've heard is that it's just a normal Power Rangers like episode, like what you'd find on Nickelodeon, but it's just with high budget. So it's like, it, it's nothing new, which is kind of what the, the producers and the film like touted it to be. It was going to be something unique, something Marvel-esque, something completely new to what was before, but still taking that same inspiration. But it's just like, oh my gosh, kids are now powerful. Villain shows up, kids overtake villain despite themselves, and that's the whole that's the whole plot. Isn't Zac Efron in it? Did I did I mistake that? I thought he was in it. I could be very wrong though. No. He's not in it? Okay. I thought he was, but I'm incorrect. But it it seems like the the reviews are a little bit better than the the score. Like people Oh yeah. People are giving it something. They're like, oh, it's okay. For those that like Power Rangers to begin with, I'm sure that it was just their movie. Yeah. So I might not dislike it. I just wasn't interested by it. Because at that point, I was 16 when that came out. And I was I hadn't watched it in years at that point. But yeah, there's a lot of films that do that. That like the the critics give it an awful review, but then like the fans score like Venom is one. Venom was hated by critics, but the 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 like media score, like the the viewer score, was high. So who knows? Maybe that one is. Maybe it's got some more substance to it. I really enjoy Venom. Venom is good. Yeah. Venom two was. I thought it was a little less than the first. It went by too quick. Like you have Woody Harrelson as Carnage, and you don't take more advantage of that. Like give him more screen time. But I digress. It was just ninety minutes. About real quick, Venom 2. Venom 1 was really good. Venom 2 was legitimately just Carnage. Like, yeah. Not the character, the, the noun. No, I know. Just Carnage. It's, uh, it, it was like, it was, it was a good sequel, but it wasn't as good as the first. So it was still, it's definitely still worth watching. Uh, where are we? Okay, here we go. Here's another one. You talk about casting and recasting and people coming back to their roles. Linda Blair who played the original, what is her name, Reagan McNeil in the original The Exorcist, is reprising her role for David Gordon Green's remake, or I think sequel maybe. Maybe it's more of, it's one of those in-betweens where it's not a remake, but it's not quite a sequel. It's both. Um, the Exorcist. So David Gordon Green, for all you guys that don't know, he directed the new Halloween trilogy. So he's he's a big name in the, the, the landscape of horror, I don't know if this Exorcist film is also produced by Bloomhouse, which is what the other three, the, the Halloween trilogy was. But I like David Gordon Green. I think he's good at creating that that sense. Like he he takes that cliche horror feel, but he adds a nice little twist to it that's unique to him. Um, I really like. I liked the new Halloween trilogy. I thought. Have Have you guys seen it? Did you guys watch it? I have not. I like. So I won't spoil it for Donnie. But I like what they did in the last one with the whole evil perspective because that is what John Carpenter wanted to do from the beginning. He didn't want it to be singular in its villainy. And I just didn't like necessarily how they went about it. I thought it was a little corny. They had all the, the opportunity in the world to do something cooler, but they didn't. 
Um, and that's all I'll say. So you can, like, if you want to watch them, Donnie, you I can. I mean, I watched the original, maybe the second or third one too, but yeah. this is Jamie Lee fighting the same dude for well, like 50 years. Yes. So the, and you're right. Are you talking about the, when you say the second or third, do you mean like the newer ones? Or do you mean like the ones from back in the day? Back in the day. So the newer ones, the one that came out in 20, it was like 18, 19 or 1920, then 2022. Um, those, this last trilogy, it cuts out everything between the original from 1978. Mm -hmm. And is it's like a direct sequel to the 1978. Oh, so everything okay. after 1978 is technically retconned. Mm. And so it goes Halloween 78, Halloween 18 or 19, then the the okay. two after that cool. kills and then ends, um, and I really liked it. Like there I are only four in canon now. Essentially, yeah. Wow. I I need to revisit the seventy eight because it's supposed to be a minimalist sort of masterpiece. Yes. So Myers in the original script from Carpenter, Myers is just called the Shadow, and in many in many um, when you watch the end credits, he's credited as or no that that's Shadow. Sorry, the Shape. He's credited as The Shape. He's not called Michael Myers. He's called The Shape. And that's a big deal because when Carpenter was writing it, it was meant to be like a representation of evil. He's not really meant to be anything. He's just meant to be straight evil. But when he created the sequel, have you ever heard of Halloween 3 like, like back in the day? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But that one is one of the only Halloweens without Mike Myers. And it, people threw a fit because Mike Myers wasn't in it. But the whole point was that Mike Myers wasn't supposed to be the face of the evil. The evil's supposed to be something... In itself. Who was it? It was uh, it was like a company. So it was like they would sell like these masks and they would turn people's heads into like bugs. Disintegrate. It was really, it's, it's considered now one of the best of the series. Halloween 3. And like people look back now and regard it very highly. It's a cult classic. But back in the day, no Mike Myers, people threw a fit. And that's why you got, you get like H2O and, and all these like kind of mediocre where Myers is forced. Um, and that's kind of what they go back to. They want, or well, I shouldn't say it like that. They they try to hint back at this nor at this original concept in what is now the canon series. At the very end, they try to say, well, Mike Myers isn't just evil. Like evil is not just represented by Mike Myers. Evil is encompassing. It's everywhere. It is something you cannot just label and quantify. Which was really cool. I love the idea and I love the philosophy they were trying to hit. I just didn't like how it was executed. And you know what I'm saying, Cole. And for those that watch at home, you know how they do that with uh, the new one. Um, but I digress. I enjoy the idea. So give it a watch, Donnie. Will do. Yeah. As a horror sort of motif or like common theme, yes, like unrelenting evil really works. Yeah. But like. I don't know. I think that I like movies that are a little bit more based in reality because I, yeah, pure evil doesn't exist as much. Yeah, it really doesn't exist in reality. I mean, it, evil is kind of, you know how they they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So is evil. Evil is also like like your evil might not be my evil, and like and it's all about perspective. So like something we were talking about in one of my classes recently is like we are all our own main characters and like. I am a side character in your life, but you're a side character in mine. So it's like, it's all about perspective. I like the idea, the simplistic idea of evil as a villain. I've come around to that idea a lot. Like, less is more. Um, which is why I think I liked it so much. But if you want it to be more based in reality, you're right. There is really no such thing as evil. And that's a I think that'd be a fun concept to try to 
put to film. Like maybe you have two different characters perspectives who are very different. And from the first perspective, half the movie, it's like, this is obviously evil and this is obviously bad, but then you switch the perspectives and he's the just the ends are justified. This is something we've really seen. I like that. Yeah. Cole, you're thinking of something. I can see them gears turning. Philosophical stuff. We can move on. Yeah, we can. I'm curious what you're what you're thinking, but what we, we I don't know. Can. It just seems like the, all this evil everyone talks about mm -hmm. is like, <clears throat> like it seems like in America, like if someone does something bad, mm -hmm. it's usually because like like something evil, like something really bad. It's right. either because of like s social things, like oh, like violence that is stems from things like poverty or it's somebody trying to get like money or drugs mm -hmm. doing evil stuff you know they're like messed up like i don't know if you call a call the nazis evil it's like right there were some of them that were but the nazi soldiers were definitely not evil i've, I've heard that before like it's like the soldier following orders yeah. is that person because like obviously like for those at home Cole is not trying to say that Hitler wasn't evil. He's trying to say, what about the soldiers who listen because they're good soldiers and they're doing what they do? But was Hitler pure evil? I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, his, his ideologies were. They were evil. Yes. But was he evil? The man? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would say so because, like, the ideas originated from him. Like, but if you, like, I don't know. You look back, I don't think that there was much inspiration other than the, something that he probably came up with himself. You know what I mean? This, I, don't this was a, with, I don't know if it was all him. No, but like this is a dark haired, dark eyed man saying blonde hair and blue eyes are only allowed. And we should kill everyone else that's not blonde hair and blue eyes. And he's a dark haired, dark eyed man. He you killed know. himself, so there you he go. He did, he did do that, yeah. But the whole I I don't know. Like I get what you're saying though. Like what about those who are just doing what they do because like you don't want to see yourself as evil. Because I can promise you a lot of those German soldiers did not think they were evil. But to bring this back to film, it would be kind of cool to see this concept portrayed. I think you saw it a little bit in All Quiet on the Western Front, like the new one. Mm. Um, because that is the German soldier's perspective. Like, that is what they're, like, that is genuinely what we're talking about. They, they were innocent children. They thought they were going to summer camp. Yeah, like, on, they thought they were coming back to honor and glory and gold and all this stuff. And, you know, never at one point in that movie did they think, oh, man, we're the bad guys. And which I which I did enjoy. That was a really kind of a cool perspective because, like, you know, and I mean that was World War One, I, I guess. So they weren't necessarily, but regardless, it's time to move on. Um, I'm very excited to see Linda Blair back as Regan McNeil in David Gordon Green's remake of The Exorcist. I don't know. I don't know if it's a remake. I mean, I well, like I said, it's kind of a mixture of the two. But whatever. Um, according to the Vanity, the Writers Guild of America approved the use of AI as an aid to screenwriters in their creative endeavors, allowing the writer to use the AI as a tool with the writer maintaining credit. However, following this announcement, there was a lot of backlash, and the Guild immediately put out a notice saying, hey, we do not approve of AI, actually, and we're looking to ban it. So they, they turned their minds around real quick once they kind of heard, like, it feels like... They didn't put out a statement saying it was just a report from someone else saying that they were okay with it. But I feel like this is like when when you want to go jump in the pool and you stick your toe in and you're like, is it cold? And you realize it's cold and you just go back inside and you're like, I'm not doing this. I think that's what they did. Like they got backlash, but it was also like, no, we didn't put out a statement. 
So we're going to see what people think first, and then we'll just go the way. That's just kind of what it feels, because to turn around that quickly, they were already on the fence about it to begin with. I don't think it'll do anything. I think that it'll be, we have about two years left of filmmaking. Oh, then, really? Yeah, and then I think AI, like you'll be able to just hit a button and it'll create a film for you. Yeah, but I just don't think that AI will ever be good enough. Like people talk about, oh, like like the Terminator type, you know, robots who will show up and, and I don't think that robots will, or like AI specifically will ever have that human flair. So I think that what you're saying is accurate. I think that it'll be hard to prove that a writer did use AI, but I think we'll always be able to tell. I think that I think that it'll be like, okay, this is there's not a human flair in this. I think we'll be able to distinguish. Those that do a mixture of the two will be a lot tougher, but there will never just be a straight up AI film production. Like, oh, all pre-production is done by this AI and then we just throw it in the production and do post. I, I think that you won't have to do any of that. I think you just hit, like... Oh, it just makes a movie? Just makes a movie, yeah. I mean, it's getting really sophisticated, y'all. Yeah. You know, I mean, South Park used AI to, like, write the last, like, last five minutes of their episode a couple weeks ago? I don't doubt it. Yeah. they did. It, the episode was about AI. It was about chat. Yeah. GPT? GPT, I think, is what it's called. Chat yeah. GPT. It was, it was totally about that. And then they used the app to write... The last portion of their episode. It's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. Those guys have been around for a long time. Oh, yeah. They're always on the cutting edge of everything. It's so funny because it's South Park. Why are they on the edge of the cutting edge of technology and ideas? It's they, the best, man. South Park's the best. They, they take six days to make an episode, so, like... I forgot what I was going to say, sorry. No, you're good. No, you're good. So you're telling me they take a little less than a week... Per yes. episode. Yeah, like, they finish the episode the day it airs. That's kind of so, cool. So they're up to date completely. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, they have a documentary about it. It's always... Yeah, so I was trying to think yeah. And stuff in the news cycle is always on South Park. Yeah. Everything That's just very weird. unique. That makes me think of, like, SNL. Like, like, they're very much kind of calling an audible every week to decipher what they want. And that's the best kind of art, too, is one that's in tune with its surroundings. Yes, I did just call South Park, South Park art. So it is art. It it's is art. High art. Yeah, I think. yeah. I think a lot of people would disagree with that simply because of the content of South Park. But it's satire. It is. Yeah, that's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on past AI. But yeah, I uh, I thought that was interesting. I really think it's that's what I imagine happened. The Writers Guild. Like this could just be a false report completely, and the the Writers Guild could have just been like, no, uh, we never wanted AI. But it's just so funny that, that it broke. Everyone's like, what? This is awful. And then immediately the Writers Guild's like, uh, no. Regardless of whichever way it swings, it just, it looks bad for the Guild. You know what I'm saying? Just because of how quick that they turned around, if they did turn around. Anyway, you guys have heard of The Last of Us, right? You know, that, that's a little show that, that ended a couple weeks ago. Um, it was fantastic. I watched the whole thing, and I'm very pleased to report it's just as good as the game, if not better. It expand like it expands on some of the lore and some of the characters and gives more like definition to some cer to certain things throughout the series, which I really enjoy. But John Wick director Chad uh, Stahelinski, I pronounce his name completely wrong. Stahelski, I keep wanting to put an N in there. I do that every time. I promise I know how to pronounce his name. Says interest in his Ghost of Tsushima film has grown since The Last of Us' success. 
So we talked about this just a couple weeks ago about how this director, Chad, has been wanting to like push and kickstart this Ghost of Tsushima. He has it written or at least has it mostly written, but he has other projects and is not really for sure which one he wants to go with. So do you think Stahelski goes forward with this Ghost of Tsushima since now video game movies are cool? Let me see what else he's done. He's done. I'm pretty sure he's the director of all the John Wick franchise. He's done a few more before that. How does uh, John Wick 4 do in opening? It's fantastic. It's considered the best of the franchise. Like, touted as one of the best action movies of the past, of the century. Yeah, it seems like people really like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go watch it very soon. I'm very excited about it. And I've not been excited for, like, an action film in a long time. I saw a video where uh, they had the stunt doubles in the movie, like, falling down Down the escalator, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, they said, actually, this dude went full-fledged, like, jump flip. Like, I, you've all seen it. It, it. That's intense. Like, how do you, like, if I did that fall one time, I'd break four or five bones. Like, yeah. Well, he probably did. Yeah. Like, he's getting paid a lot of money, and that health insurance is tough. He probably goes home and smashes a finger just to, just to prove a point. Just to feel something. Yeah. No, but yeah, I, I'm really excited. Have you? I know I described to Cole the Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, Donnie, do you know what the Ghost of Tsushima is? I've only heard a little bit about it. So it's a sure. game originally based in like what? What period was it? Crap, I'm gonna have to look it back up. Hold on. So yeah, so you play as a samurai on a quest to, pr to protect the Shishima Islands from the Mongol invasion of Japan. And so you travel around the island, it's essentially free roam, and it's just really in-depth. It's created like a cinematic experience, so like you can put it in like cinematic mode where it's like in black and white and it looks like an old Japanese movie. Um, and it's, it's just so, it's so deep and rich in, in history and just, it's so cool. Um, and that's something that I've really been excited to see put on screen because it's already made like a film. Like that's kind of like the idea is that it is a cinematic experience, but I am a little worried about how much story there is and how much they can fit into the film. Like can Stahelski accurately portray this story in just one film? That's kind of my question. And how much does he try to put in one? Cause that seems to be a big problem with like these big stories and going to film is that some people cram too much into like 90 minutes and it just it ruins it it ruins experience so hopefully that, that if this is going to be done it's either very well like paced or it's like a two or three film thing just because the game has so much to go for it when's yeah. that fortnite movie coming out fortnite <laughs> when i don't know buy the new game what if they made a movie? Or no, no, no. What or if they made skin? a game that was about American soldiers in the Middle East? A game about the American soldiers in the Middle East. D doesn't that already exist? Call it like... Call of Duty. <laughs> 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 I have an idea! 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. We're going to make so we much money. Call someone about it. <laughs> you know, there's this company called Activision. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard they're really good. Oh, yeah. No, but we're going to get working on that idea. But in the meantime... Call of Duty game set in like the War of 1812. <laughs> We've not seen that. Like the Spanish-American War. <laughs> Which is a month. It was like, what are you yeah. talking about? Fighting in Cuba. There was literally nothing. There was no fighting happening in the Spanish-American War. Do you know the history behind that? Uh, I thought they fought. Uh-uh. Really. We had, so old Teddy Roosevelt had his big white fleet. Which is genuinely what it was called. It was a big, like, naval fleet of these giant white boats. And one of them was down in Cuba, and it blew up because of a malfunction. But no one knew that because, like, for whatever reason, no one decided to check the wreckage. So yellow journalists throughout America went and said, oh, it was an attack from the Spanish. Because we were, as goofy as it sounds, wanting to liberate Cuba. Not because we wanted it to become one of our territories, because we wanted to really liberate Cuba. Um, which didn't pan out for us, but, uh, I mean, in terms of it becoming one of our stuff, because, uh, yeah, we, we did not want to just liberate it, but that was what we painted it as. Like we were all, let's liberate Cuba. And Spain was like, no, cause you know, th that is ours. Um, but then this thing blew up the ship in the coast of Cuba. And so Teddy Roosevelt was like war and he declared war on Spain, but Spain was so broke from previous wars that a month later it said, you can have it. So we got Cuba. That's how, that, technically. They just freed Cuba. We never, we never actually took it. You know, uh, I got a friend, and uh, his papa was in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, my gosh. I, I talked to his papa about it, and he, was, he said, yeah, we were down there looking at Fidel Castro's boats. We were fishing and everything, and I said, I wish... He would have shot at us or something. We were subordinated out there. Oh my gosh. That would have been the worst nuclear disaster of all time. He called him Fiddle? <laughs> Fiddle Castle. <laughs> That's the most. Where is he from? Here, Rock Castle. That's the most yeah. Rock Castle, Kentucky thing I've ever heard. Man, I wish Fiddle would have just took one shot. <laughs> I'm like, my friend still, like, he said, you know, he's an old guy. So, like, my friend says that like he still doesn't really get the gravity of what he witnessed like, what he was what he there was for <laughs> in, yeah. like, <laughs> the closest we've ever come to nuclear <laughs> yeah. armageddon wow that's actually kind of funny it's like, hilarious this old hick just does not <laughs> understand what happened he's like yep oh i love and hate our state so much <laughs> oh okay i guess it's time to move on and get back to actual film stuff this one I thought was really intriguing. Marvel fired longtime exec Victoria Alonso, who was in charge of physical post-production, VFX, and animation since the first Iron Man. She Now, originally it was reported that she stepped away, but I've seen reports since that says she was straight up canned. It's been a long time coming. I hate to say it. Like, after the first how many Marvel films? Like, because the first, I would say, seven years, great. Great VFX. Fantastic post-production. Yeah, they look so much better in, like, the first Iron Man movies. Yes. Than they do now. Yes. Which is stupid. Which came out 15 freaking years yeah. ago. So, like, it's it's idiotic that it is this way, right? I'm shocked it took them this long to finally fire her. I guess she's been around for a long time. And, like, I guess, like, oh, she's been here, so why would we get rid of her? Dude, she's canning your, your entire project. Why did it take you close to a decade to get rid of her? 
I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I don't know. The quality has declined in the, just the past couple of years, really. I think they just gave her so much work to do. You, know? you think that – so you think it's more Marvel? Uh, I don't know. They're cranking out projects. No, you're right. Year, you're right. You know. But the, like the animators and the editors and stuff are just overworked. And underpaid. Underpaid. Yeah. I definitely think it's not just her fault, but also that's you're, your job. You're in charge. Yeah, right? that is your job. Like, why don't y'all hire more people? That Yeah, see, that's the other part. Like, why you have all the money in the world. Like, genuinely all the money. Why are you not hiring? Or why are you not paying? Why, if you are such a big company, why make a bad movie? You have, like, you. they could have taken a decade break and still would have had the money they have now. People would have lined up like like blocks down these theaters to see this but they decide to shoot them all out how many projects have been in phase four like almost 30 has it been almost 30 it's been a lot maybe not that many but still yeah there are a lot maybe 20 yeah yeah i definitely think you're you're right you make a good point it is also like it's just as much marvel as a company's fault but also, like, and I did say the last decade, maybe it's a lot less than that. I would say probably the last five, six years, maybe. But that's still a long time for someone who's just not doing their job correctly. Like, and you can, once again, you can put all that blame, or, well, not all of it, but a lot of the blame on the fact that she had less time with less money, that is completely fair. But that is still her job. And they were still getting subpar results. We'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. I, I haven't seen anything about them hiring anyone new. Like, I, I don't know who they replaced her with. I don't know. I know that they Marvel as a company said they're going to scale back and focus on quality. So hopefully we get the Marvel of 2010. Yeah, 2011. That'd be really nice. Moving along. Universal Pictures has added to its 2024 list of released films. Jordan Peele's fourth movie. It will come out on Christmas of next year and it will compete with Disney's Avatar 3 and Paramount's Sonic 3. I want to see Jordan Peele's fourth film beat those two so bad. Like I'm happy with Avatar. I would like to see it continue doing well, but I want to see Jordan Peele just absolutely just just run and home wreck that show. Like can you imagine on Christmas Day in 2024 Jordan Peele's got the the winning weekend? That'd be That'd fantastic. Be awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, there are actually two movies coming out. Jordan Peele's going to release two movies in 2024. Really? Yeah, one on Christmas and one before. I didn't know that the, the first one. I've only seen the one about Christmas. What's that? Or, well, I guess that they've not released what either of them are about. Is it also through Universal? I think so. Interesting. So four yeah. and five coming out next year with five coming out on Christmas Day. Fun. I'm here for that. You think I, Avatar 3 gets pushed back? No. No? Christmas Day would be a huge win for them. Um, also, I was reading that Avatar 3, because James Cameron was talking about his nine-hour cut of Avatar 3. I've heard that, or I, I was reading a report, I think it was from Comic Book on Instagram, um, that Disney's going to release it as like a nine-part series on, on limited series on Disney+. Plus Instead of just scrapping that cut, and then they will release the two, three-hour cut in theaters. I think it, the theater, the theatrical release will be first, and then the nine-hour will come after. But Yeah, possibly. Which would be cool. I think it'll... Uh to make as much money as two did seriously yeah 
I don't think that's far of a leap, actually. I think I, I, I can understand. I think people that have seen two might lose the hype. I'm interested because of the narration switch. I would wish he didn't say it. I would have loved it to have been a surprise. You like you walk in to see Sully and you come in and it's his kid. Um, but regardless, yeah, James Cameron, we talked about it, I think a month ago, confirmed that in three, the narrator switches from Jake Sully to his child, the surviving son. What about uh, the movie critic coming out? Ah, Tarantino. the final film from Tarantino. Yeah. Very, I, I'm shocked I didn't put that on here. But yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. 1970s cinema, the final film in Tarantino's catalog, according to himself. Do you think he stays retired? Did he actually say that? Be yeah, he said, his he said he would only do 10 films and the film critic would be his last one. Hmm. His 10th film. I don't think he stays retired. You don't think so? Why not? It's just what he does. He makes movies. It's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he'll retire for a little bit and then he'll come back. Yeah? He's not done. Cole? He's done. You think really? so? Yeah. I think his catalog's impressive enough that he feels like he's done everything that he really wants to do. That is fair. And oh, he's 60-something? Maybe late 50s at the very, very earliest. But then he would have started young. He's oh, he's 60. He's going on 60. And it seems like uh, you know, people are saying that this one is going to be Tarantino's message yeah. to the world of cinema. Is it his magnum opus? I think Inglorious Bastards already did that. I know, but like, it's his last one. Do you think that that's what he aims for? Maybe. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was that. I man. loved Once Upon a Time. That's what he was shooting for in that film. I know that people didn't really like that one as much. I think it's art. He said, I in an interview, if I remember correctly, didn't he say that one was his best? Didn't he say that Once Upon a Time was his, his best? his best or his favorite. It was one of the two. You know what I'm talking about. You, you've seen that interview. It was either his best or his favorite. I don't remember which one it was, but he thinks of Once Upon a Time highly himself. Obviously, as a director, you would, but I loved it. I, I thought it was so interesting with the history. Like, I'm a history nerd, as you can't tell from my Spanish-American war rant a second ago, um, but seeing the Manson family reimagined was really cool, and the comedy in it was really, I think it hit real hard. Um, watching Leo bust out of a shack with a flamethrower just to crisp one of the Manson families in his pool was so funny to me. I don't know why it was so funny, but like the happy ending that, uh, what's her name? The, the actress that, the original actress that was murdered, the pregnant actress that she survived. That was cool. Like I liked it. Sharon Tate. Yep. The fact that Sharon Tate was able to live and that you see her at the end and she walks out like, is everything okay? And Leo and Brad Pitt are just like, yeah, Leo's still got the flamethrower on. Like, it's just so cool. Like, I love I love Once Upon a Time. And so it's like, it's sad to see him end. I think I'm kind of with Cole. I think he's done. For everything that you've said, but also to kind of give to Donnie's point, as a creator, I don't know how you can just stop. Especially with someone who's done it for as long as he has and as successful as he has. I don't know how you just don't do that anymore. Because, like, that's not just your job. That is who you are. You're a creator. And I feel like if you stop doing that, won't you lose your purpose? Maybe he's a better man than I am, and he's super confident in who he is outside of film, so he doesn't need it. But you know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe he continues to write, and maybe he'll... That's a good point. Just, like, have it written by credit and something. Yeah. And he just won't direct anything. That's a good point. He could still write stuff. Yeah. Whatever happened to Bounty Law? Remember that? He said he was going to do... Uh, like a nine-part series about... Yeah. It was the show. Yeah. 
Maybe I mean, maybe that doesn't count as a film and he's going to keep doing series now. That Wait, wasn't he supposed to direct um, a series coming up? It may have just been Downey Law. I think that's what it was. I don't think there was anything else. I mean, there might have been interest in other shows where he was like, oh, I might do that, but I don't I don't think it was a... Uh, I don't think it was anything else. He also said he wanted to do uh, Zorro and Django. You remember that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also. I've heard. I heard before that he was going to make Kill Bill three his final film. See, that's what I wish he would do. Yeah. God, Kill Bill. Like, the second one is so good. Mm-hmm. The first one is so good. Mm-hmm. I think they might be. I mean, they're top three for sure. If you count them as one movie, I would say it's like Inglorious Bastards. I love in Unchained though. I loved Django Unchained. I've, I've seen it ten times. Yeah, I think. See, I for me it would have to be Once Upon a Time out there. So I think I think Pulp is his best. I don't think he gets better than Pulp Fiction. I think that like it's we, hard talking about magnum opus. I think that was his. Um, then but like you have to have Inglorious Bastards and like in my mind. Once Upon a Time. I think it goes, like, in that order. I think it goes Pulp, Inglorious, Once Upon a Time. For me. That's just my opinion. I love the Kill Bills. They'd be, like, four and five. But then there's so many more, like, that, that he did that are so good. You know, I don't care for Reservoir Dogs as much as I think I used to. I care. I, I still love, love Reservoir still Dogs. Yeah, it's like a ten. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, they, he's only made tens. Or you mean like 10 out of 10? Okay, I thought you meant like, it's on the list. <laughs> it's like, I would hope so. What's his worst one? I'm about to, I'm actually, I was Eight. just wondering that. I was thinking The Hateful Eight, but that's still a good movie. Have you seen Jackie Brown? Uh, I, I think it's it. underrated. I love it. Yeah, It's, it's so very good. smart. I, I really liked it. Yeah. I've only seen it once, but I, I loved it. Um, Death Proof is really good. Dust Till Dawn is really good. True Romance, obviously. See, like, there's not a bad Tarantino film. People forget Jackie Brown. I don't know. I don't know what his his worst would be. I think it probably would be Hateful Eight. But it's still really good. Like, I still enjoy Hateful Eight. Like, I wouldn't say that I enjoy it as much as the others, but yeah, I do. I need to rewatch Jackie Brown. Truth be told, I don't remember much about that one. See, I really don't either. I know I've seen it. I just don't remember it. You know, that that right there is Jackie Brown, a sequel to Pulp Fiction. A lot of people say that uh, Sam Jackson's character is Jules. In Jackie Brown? Yeah. Hmm. His name is Ordell Robbie in the film. But he's supposed to, but he's like, that's like a nickname maybe. Yeah. Royale with cheese. Sorry. Yeah, I saw, I saw like a meme with like Spongebob and Patrick saying that crap. Yes, I've seen that too. <laughs> yeah. Those are good. Wasn't that AI made too? Probably. I think, I think it was. You're not going to be able to tell in about six months, y'all. We're ah, living in the end times. I, I ah, swear. It's going to get so good that it's going to start compounding on itself. And then we're going to turn around and we're going to be like enslaved ant beings. 
I think we are. I disagree. We're going to be nothing more than insects. Too. I don't think there will be anything that can outdo humanity, outside, like in terms of technology. Screw humanity. I think we'll. I think we are our own undoing. Yeah. If we're talking about like human and the 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 lack of humanity later in life, but. I don't think it'll be because robots get our launch codes and, and say death to the creator. I don't think that's what will happen. I think I think we'll probably global warming will probably be the end. But well, that's neither here nor there. Uh, um, I mean, I think don't look up <laughs> AI will be like, yo, y'all just haven't figured it out. You just have to like, you gotta all like bake bread at the same time, and global warming will be gone. Yeah, but you, here's Just the thing too. Us. You're that's assuming that AI becomes this all-knowing, like almost omnipotent being. It will, which it will not. Like <laughs> AI is only fed as much information as we give it. You know what I'm Once saying? It can start making deductions. It. I don't think that's a possibility, because you want like you you miss. I think that you underestimate the power of the human ability to to perceive. That is like the biggest thing. So like like I remember in like high school, we were watching a video about how robot like they like this dude made this machine that can see and recognize objects. So like a chair, it would recognize a chair, but the second that we put a coat over the chair, the chair would cease to exist to the robot. Whereas to humanity, like right now, this we know this is still a chair. My jacket's just on top of it, but it's still a chair. That like that right there, that, that ability to perceive and understand and to deduct, that will never be recreated by anything other than our own consciousness. But if you had a, you had a quantum computer, and you scanned the brain, and then it was, and mind you, this is all in a computer. Mm -hmm. You scan the human brain and put it in the quantum computer, and okay. then start it up, and it can function like a human brain. Can it still perceive? I don't think so. Because of the soul. I think yeah. I I think at the end of the day, like life, like you can't recreate life. In that sense, in a machine. Yes, a machine's alive, but it's not. It doesn't have. Like you said, a soul. I just don't believe that that's just something that can happen. We can mimic it, and we can get daggone near close, but we will never be able to perfectly like recreate. We're talking about like a Detroit becoming human style of scenario. Where have you have you ever played that game or know that story? I talked about it before. I think yeah, last last week. Yeah, hey, hey, hey look at me, episode. look look at me. Uh, no, but like in that one, they create these androids, and these androids become sentient. And that's like the whole point. There's an android uprising, and at the end, like the good ending, because there's multiple, the good ending is that um, humanity and these androids learn to live together. It's like the whole point. I don't think we'll ever have that. I really don't. You remember, I guess it's in Ex Machina. I was about to say it. Yeah. yeah I told you to watch it. Beat, beat. Yeah. The color theory thing. Is that in that movie where he's like, oh, you could have someone who is in a room. It's completely black and white. Mm -hmm. And all they do all day is read and learn about color theory and what colors are. Yeah. Everything that you could know about color, you do know. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you walk out of that black and white room and you see the blues, yellows, and greens all around you, would you recognize them as colors or not? So are you seeing... See, th this gets into a tough, tough debate here, okay? So... Are they seeing the colors that they're reading about, or are they just reading it on paper? Is it just a like a like a written description? They never see the color. They never see the color. So then, no, because color is rep is quantified as a physical thing rather than like written. Like you can describe, but like you can't if they don't know what that color is. That's physically not something that to understand. So like, have have you ever? This is something a little off topic, and and I want to get back to this because this is a really interesting point. 
Have you ever heard of um, the idea that my my red is not your red? Yeah. That messes with my brain. So it's like we're all taught that like when we're in kindergarten, a teacher points to a color and says, this is red. And for the rest of our lives, we all can agree because we were all taught the same thing, that that color is red. But what if to you, that color is my purple? But because they're the same color, we both perceive it as like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I see that as red, the the the, the cloth. And you would agree that that is also red. But if we could see through each other's eyes, what if that was blue to you? But because you were taught that that's red, we both agree that it's red. I like the way they look to me. What do you mean? The, the colors that I perceive in the world. Yeah. Like how I perceive them. Yeah. yeah. I, I like them. Yeah. I think everything is like correct. You know? Yeah, see, like that that's the thing. Like everyone does. Like I would assume the colors I see are correct. We could like we could even agree that like like certain maroons for EKU, their color is maroon and white. Okay. We would even agree that, okay, yeah, that maroon shade is wrong. But what if we're not seeing the same color? But but because we're taught certain colors are this way, like hard pressed, like this is green. But this might not be green to you, but because you were taught that this is a green, that that color in your eyes is green. You know what I'm saying? I do, but to me, it's like red is about passion and intensity, mm-hmm. right? And even if this was my blue to you mm-hmm. and you saw it as my UK blue, you wouldn't describe it as an intense passionate color maybe you would because that's all that you would associate people say oh like say that that is blue like to you yeah right but blue to you is intense because that's what was described to you you know what i'm saying i don't know yeah i get it like i get what you're saying like you like like you wouldn't i I get what you're saying like i'm not saying that this is true but i'm saying it's an interesting thought but blue is not you could be taught objectively you can be taught and believe almost anything my friend there are people who believe that people on this earth are gods. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can be taught, like, anything if you had enough. Who is the closest to God? LeBron? Right now? Yeah. I would say, like, well, yeah, in our in our country, it would probably be, a, yeah, like a professional athlete or like a, an actor or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we talk about Quentin Tarantino. That man walks to a restaurant. People bow down, you know, like instantly if you're talking about a country and a leader north korea they literally do think he's a god the the people of north korea think kim jong-un is a god so it's like you know like you can believe anything so like but to get the back to the ai talk because uh what, what led us down this rabbit hole yeah where were we we were talking about vfx weren't we no universal pictures we're talking about jordan peele yeah but we were talking about ai before i don't know what led us down this but the whole point, I don't think we'll ever have that problem. I think we'll be we'll we'll be long gone before that's even a pro like possibility. See. You We're act like intel, you're yo. so confident about I'm this. I'm so confident. He, he he he. We'll see. He's like looking back, smiling at me. Like like I get I I'm, I listen. I respect your confidence. I just don't agree with it. I'm completely confident that AI and VR are going to come together in the next six months to three years. And everything you know about the world is going to be turned completely upside down. This We have about a year and a half, I think, to go to campfires and kiss your mom and make cornbread at the house. And then it's all going to crap. I don't it's all think gonna be, we're going to be living in Fortnite. I don't think that that's necessarily like the wrong statement, but it's not like, but I don't think that I think what you just said is could be correct. Like it could AI and 
VR can come together to create these massive worlds that we can just tune into whenever we want, I don't think that means AI will control us. I, don't, I think those, those two can be mutually exclusive. I think it'll control us in the way our cell phones control us. They don't really control us, but we've let them, and they do. Yeah, but I, there's also recently, like, that. with that being pushed so hard over the last decade, I think that, that people are purposefully disconnecting. I mean, you see a lot of narratives of that, but in mass. No, you're right. People are getting closer to it. You're right, but I hear more and more of people putting, like, a time limit on their, like, watch, or watch limit on their phone. You know what I mean? More and more people I know are doing that. So I, I, maybe that's just people around me, and maybe I'm just naive. But Oh, well. So moving on, this one had me really interested because we've been talking a lot about the Nosferatu remake by Robert Eggers. Um, Guillermo del Toro is making a Frankenstein film, and it's potentially going to star Mia Goth, Andrew Garfield, and Oscar Isaac. I love this. I love everything happening right now. I'm a big Guillermo del Toro kind of guy. Guillermo's so good. Much deserved. We're talking about the Oscars. We said we might mm. bring it up. Much deserved best animation to Mr. Del Toro. Del Toro or Wes Anderson? Oh, no. Why would you ask me this? You know I love them both. I'll say Wes. That was so purposefully aimed at my heart. Yeah. Oh, I hate you. See, here, like, I... Man, recency bias wants me to go Guillermo, not gonna lie. I've seen a lot more Guillermo, and I love what he builds in the worlds that he creates. I don't know if I like him that much. What? I don't know. Oh, we're going to fist fight. At Penn's Labyrinth, don't like it. When you don't like Penn's Labyrinth? I Why? Like I love that movie. I just don't enjoy it. I don't know. it. And then, like, he has, like, one movie that I really like. Which is? The Shape of Water. Okay, The Shape of Water is fantastic. I'm a hopeless romantic. Oh, my gosh. Shape of Water, The New Pinocchio, Pan's Labyrinth. He did The Hellboys with uh, Ron Perlman. Yep. Uh, he did... Pacific oh, Rim. Pacific Rim. Like, these are good films. Blade 2. Yes. You ever seen the original Blade, though? With, with West, 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 West yeah. Snipes? Yes, dude. What a movie. I know. It's awesome. I just... I love, I love the imagination on... Like, here's the thing, too. What you're asking... You have two individuals who have the most active imagination in Hollywood. One of them is like, like super, like, like in terms of Guillermo fantasy love, like just plays in that realm of like make believe. Whereas Wes is like, I'm going to create the most surreal environment that these people actually live in. And I'm just going to film them. <laughs> it's tough. Cause I, I don't think it's tough at all. You also have to be in the mood for one or the other. I love Wes Anderson though, man. I think I could sit down and watch a Wes Anderson film at any time. Just the colors, like it's just so beautiful and childlike. Like it's just like it makes me feel like a kid again every time I watch Wes Anderson. What did you think about the French Dispatch? I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic film. I, you know, I kind of didn't like the whole, like the the segment with Chalamet is like the oh really French revolutionary guy. You didn't like that at all. I liked it. I just thought it was a little. I love the scenes with the paintings. Indulgent, maybe. I thought that was really that was that was the best. Part it was so movie. cool, yeah. like. The, like, the ideas that they were hitting where it's, like, Adrian Brody's, like, beautiful. And he's, like, no, this is what's in style. And he pulls down, it's, like, something completely different. And they're, like, oh. Like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed that scene. The paintings are cool. Yeah. No, I love the French Dispatch. What's y'all's favorite Wes Anderson? <sighs> okay. If you would have asked me this five years ago, I would have said Fantastic Mr. Fox. But Moonrise Kingdom. Yes. I love that film so much. Me too. 
Motorized Kingdom. That one says a lot. Yeah. That yeah. one says like because like it you you follow these kids as they grow up. That's so cool. Like, I love that movie. And the the adults are more children than they are. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool. I don't know. I just really liked like we've talked about before. One of our professors says said that he didn't really like Wes Anderson because he didn't really have anything to say about the world. And I disagree. I think he usually does, but I think it's more suppressed and it's more like you have to really read between the lines to really kind of understand what he's trying to say. And sometimes he's not trying to say anything. He's just trying to create. And that's just as good as anything else. I loved uh, the Darjeeling Limited. Oh, yes. Just because I have two brothers. Mm-hmm. And we're a lot like the characters. The way they argue and uh, fight was so funny. That's how we are. I love when, when the snake, when the King Cobra got loose in the train. That was hilarious. No, that I like I like that one. Um, you know what I really liked, and it has one of the best sequences I've ever seen. It is the uh, what's hold on, hold on. I will tell you. I lost the title. I had it in my head, and then I lost it. Royal Tenenbaums. Yes. How do you know I was gonna say that? Royal Tenenbaums was so good. The scene with Luke Wilson when he would he chops himself if you know what i'm saying yeah. when he re- like it comes out of nowhere and it would that is as good of any horror sequence i've ever seen in my life and it's just so jarring and unexpected and it really puts you in his mental state because it cuts back and forth real quick as he's hurting himself and it's oh it was so good and you could feel his despair like i love the the royal tenant bombs and there's one shot in it that I, I i geeked out with my girlfriend we were watching it and it's a scene where uh ben stiller grabs his his uh, his character's dad and he pulls him down the hallway and he pulls him into a, uh, a closet to talk to him like in private because his dad is a bad influence and he's teaching his kids all kind of crazy crap. And uh, when he pulls him into the closet, like it's a motion, like it's, the camera's like on a crane or, a, or not a crane, but like on a dolly or something. And it's wa- like it's going towards and you see his Ben Stiller closes the door, but it keeps going in. And right as like he closes the door, he turns on the light. And it looked like one continuous shot as if you went through the door and into the, the, the room with them. And it was so cool and it's so minuscule. And if you, it's like a blink and you miss it type. But it's so cool. Like I, when I was like, when it happened, I was like, Ashley, I paused it real quick. I'm like, look at where they just did. Like I made her watch it like five times. I was like, how'd they do that? And I'm like trying to like, I'm like surmise, like it's an invisible cut. That's what it was. Like they, they walked in there, the door shut, they cut and all that. Like it, it, it's not that hard to do, but I was so nerdy about it. I was like, oh, Wes Anderson. Whoa. Like. I would love to DP for Wes Anderson. Director of Photog. I would love to. He hands me a script and like like we storyboard. I would do that in a heartbeat. Or hands me storyboards already. I'd be like, oh yeah. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll get you your stuff, Mr. Anderson. Don't you worry. Sorry. I think a lot of people sell Wes Anderson short a bit because they're like, oh, all of his shots are like symmetrical and they do, you know, he has the really specific like style of framing shots. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, those are the iconic ones, but there's a lot of really, really good, diverse camera work in all of his yeah. movies. Yeah. Every frame. There's not one frame put to put like to waste in a Wes Anderson flick. Never. His chase scenes are always really good. Yeah. His fight scenes are good. I just, I, it's just, like I was saying, it's surreal. Like I think of in Moonrise Kingdom, I think of the scene where you see Edward Norton being followed by his Boy Scout troop. And it's so weird that, that that's a scene you think of, but like the way that it's angled and back and you see them all kind of walk across, like, I don't know, I just, I love it. Maybe, maybe I am, maybe I do go Wes Anderson. I don't know. I just hate this question. I hate that you've made me think of this question, Cole. I love both so much. They resonate so well, like so high in my heart in film. Two of my favorites. 
All right, we'll go through the final few because we're we're running short on time. Uh, Denzel Washington is set to star alongside Paul Mescal and Barry Cogan in Ridley Scott's Gladiator sequel. Fun, fun stuff. Really excited to see what that ends up being. The final Renfield trailer has been released, showcasing Nicholas Holt's character Renfield taking charge of his own life against Nick Cage's Dracula. That's going to be so funny. I'm so excited about it. I'm so into it. Yeah, I love Nick Cage. I've made just a... A real effort. Every time there is a Nick Cage movie in the theater, I see it. Have you noticed that on like like making its way around the scape of TikTok and Instagram Reels, uh, that every uh, uh, what's it called? That unbearable one, weight. unbearable weight. It's yes, a lot more popular. Yes, it, that one scene in particular when they take acid and drive, it's getting like it's popular. Like, in, and I'm very hype about that because it's a good movie. It didn't do well in theaters. Or Pedro. It didn't. Pedro Pascal is the most famous actor right now. Yeah, I mean, him, Jenna, and Jonathan Majors are yeah. them three. I love Pedro Pascal. Recently, so I'm making my way through Game of Thrones, and I just got through Prince Oberyn, where, who is Pedro, who he plays. He did good in that. He's in everything big right now. Yep. The Mandalorian. He was in Game of Thrones 10 years ago. Game of Thrones, Last of Us. He was in Narcos, which blew up about six years ago. Um... He's, I think he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? He was. Like, for an episode, maybe? He's just been around, and he's just slowly grown more and more popular. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. There was other movies he was he's in, He's in too. The Kingsman. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was obviously Wonder Woman 2. <laughs> what is it? Your life is good. But it can be better. But it can be better, yeah. He's just a really good actor. Like, he's one of those guys. He's just the talent. Someone... You know, I watched a film. came out in 1998. It's called Happiness. Did I tell you about this? I feel like we've talked about this. I don't know. I It's completely on YouTube. And I can't give away anything. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, which I'm trying to see every one of his movies because I think he's such a... Like, oh, Capote. Yeah. Oh, he won best actor for that. Yeah. Do you know anything about Truman Capote? No. I mm, read in Cold Blood. I know you're a reader. He wrote a novel, and it was it was a turning point for like literary like history because he it was essentially like a true crime documentary, but in novel, which was really unique to the time. But also, Truman had a crush on one of the murderers that he was covering. So that guy is painted in a really high picture. Also, Truman Capote is the character that Lee Harper based. Uh, what's his name? Was it, it wasn't Dill. I think it was Dill actually the boy. Have you guys ever read, uh, um, to kill a mockingbird? You know, the, the little boy that, that, um, the main character is like best friends with that lives next door over the summer. That is Truman Capote. That's who Harper Lee based him on all the character. Um, and, uh, what is Atticus Finch's daughter's name? Why am I blank? Scout, 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 Scout's friend, Dill, I think is his name. That's Truman Capote and Truman Capote tried to say that Harper Lee stole the story from him. Truman Capote is an interesting character, man. He was a partier. Um, he wrote this amazing novel and in cold blood. I have a copy actually, if you want to borrow it, Cole, I'll let you borrow it. It's so good. I'm reading, uh, the stranger by Camus right now. Um, I don't know if I know that one. It's just uh, like English sort of classic lit. I, but I'm only like halfway through it and it's already really good. Um, 
but a lot of people will say like if you read the whole book it will be your favorite book the stranger um, yeah Nineteen forty-two. Which one? Nineteen forty-two, The Stranger. Oh yeah, okay. I started reading it about a week ago. Um, but yeah, back to what I was saying about happiness. Um, no nudity, no graphic violence. Yet, I've never seen a more messed up, shocking film in my life. The happiness. I heard about this a couple weeks ago. Did you actually? Yeah. Shocking. Sh- like vile. I've, like I wanted to take a shower after I saw it. Really? Yeah, it. I've never been more affected by a film in my life. And it, uh, it's so Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't know how he was not the director, but it's, it's very much a PTA like type movie. A lot of people say it's a lot like, uh, uh, Magnolia. Oh, really? Apple to spend one billion. Yeah, on here we go. Uh, yeah, sorry. What I was doing, I was listening to what you're saying, but I was also trying to find the list of the top ten because the report. This is also from the Geekster, and they got it from a reputable source. And I'll actually read that to you because I'll find what they said. Um, but Apple and their one billion that sends them into the top ten. I think it's in the world of spenders in terms of production on film, and obviously Apple TV is blowing up and they're coming out with some really good stuff, but. They're trying to send a bunch of their now f- like feature links to the cinema. And I don't know, it's like, I've, I have an interesting perspective, I think, on like, well, I shouldn't say myself, but like, I think it's interesting the perspective Apple will bring to film, but also it worries me because of like the Disney effect. Like they have so much control over so much right now, like mobile phones, and now they're getting into entertainment. It's a little worrying. Like, I don't know, maybe that's just my perspective. Maybe I'm just lame. What do you guys think about Apple and their spending? Are they trying to get movies in theaters? Yes. Yes. They want theatrical releases. So you look at some of the films on Apple TV. I've never have everything. I've never watched like like an Apple TV original. Everything big right now. They have all that. So, the Geekster got it from Bloomberg, which is like the big business Mongol news network. Um. This will place them in the top 10 studios for production spending, and considering it's their first year doing this, this is pretty significant. Uh, the company is attempting to partner with other studios to increase a few titles uh, in theaters this year, including Killers of the Flower Moon, Argyle, and Napoleon. Which Killers of the Flower Moon is uh, Scorsese's with Leo DiCaprio, and they're trying to get that in the theaters. If they can successfully pull this off, I want to see what kind of flair they get in their films. Because, like, like we talk about the Oscars. Like, A24, when you watch an A24 film, you know it's an A24 film. And they just swept the Oscars. I'm, I'd be curious to see if Apple does something similar to where they're like, okay, we're going to be very artsy and we're going to try to make something unique. Other than just spending for big names and just kind of being another big-time spending production company. I don't know. It's, it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Cole? We'll see. Uh, didn't Apple make Toy Story? Apple? No. Mm. Wasn't Pixar started as an Apple company? I don't think so. Was it? Yeah. 
I don't think so. Steve Jobs made Toy Story. Yeah. Did he? Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, dude. I'm looking. Uh, Pixar began in 1979 as the graphics group part of the Lucasfilm Computer Division before it spun before its spin out as a corporation in 1986 with funding by Apple, co-founder Steve Jobs, who became the majority shareholder. Wow, what a what a weird bounce. So it started under George Lucas and then when it spread out after 1979, Steve Jobs became the majority shareholder in the company that became. So it's a George Lucas and Steve Jobs baby. Did not know this. But then Disney bought it. Yeah. But uh, Jobs was the largest shareholder in Disney at the time. Yeah. He owned like 10% of Disney. Yeah. Could you imagine owning 10% of Disney now? You could. I'd, do it, I'd never work again. Yeah. I mean, I would work with, I'd just do whatever I wanted to do. Fascinating. I didn't realize that Pixar had this illustrious history behind it. I mean, it makes sense for why it got as big as it did. You know, I don't think I'm, like, that big of a fan. Of Pixar? Yeah, I like it. But, I mean, you have to like it. I think Wally is one of the best, better films of all time. Oh, God. Like, I think that that one is the most, one of the most original stories ever. I love Wally. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a, gorgeous. Yes. Ever, all those, and more. So yeah, I, I I think that's why you have to like Pixar. They've not come out with anything like that in a long time, though. And it's kind of sad, because their more recent films are not very good. I mean, they're okay, but like with the standard they set in the early 2000s and towards the 2010s, it's tough. Tough to keep that, that Up. steam. Yeah. Up. Another beautiful film. I don't think it's... A, I think Wally's the best film they've ever made. I put Wally in my top 10 of all time. Honestly. It really could be one of the best movies ever. I think I think it is. I don't think it could be. I think it is one of them. Cars 2. Like the most unhinged movie. Yes! Ever. Dude, no, <laughs> Cars 2. So, have you seen that one meme where it's like, it's got the three in their descriptions, and it's like, race. Super spy movie, and it just goes on this huge description how this car is like massacring by the masses, these other cars. <laughs> and then it says, race for car 3. It's so funny. I love it so much. Gets mad because Crash. <laughs> I love Cars too, man. I might have said before that I didn't like it, but like, I mean, in terms of like the trilogy, it makes no sense, but I love Mater, so you can't dislike it. I was having a discussion recently, and do you guys remember uh, the Mater Short Tales or the Mater Short Tales? Oh, yeah. Vaguely. Oh, I, I watch those all the time. The ghost light. The ghost light. Yeah, that's so funny, man. <laughs> there, I, I remember El Matador, where he's uh he's blue or no, he's white, and he's got the uh he's painted all white, and he's got the he's a he's a matador, and he's he's got a big big really bull chasing him. Yeah, and the bull is the combine. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, the bull, the combine. Yeah, that's what it's meant to be. It's so I funny. It was so yeah. funny. I like the idea. Like, there's the the, the Pope car. So there must have been like a Jesus car. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they use cross symbology, so he must have been nailed to a Oh, cross. man. I, oh, yeah. They got like World War II vans. It wasn't like a cross, Hitler. though. It wasn't a cross. It was just, uh, it was like two mufflers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What else is, uh, was there like a car, D.B. Cooper? Yeah, well, if they're in World War II, there's a car, Hitler. Yeah. Uh, there's car, there's car fiddle Castro. <laughs> oh, the lore of cars. 
car god. Ah! <laughs> it's just a Mercedes Benz in the sky. Like a Enzo Ferrari. I don't think God would like if he was a. This is so weird. Would he be a car like 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 a like a that? I feel like he would be something like. Hmm. I don't He'd know. be like a. The bike. Say what? He'd be a bike. He'd be a bike. He's the first first car was really a bike. Yeah, but. In the image of God, like if you take that sense, so God, so, cars God would also be a car. What car would he be? We did. Well, we were just throwing some the out. Model T. No. Maybe. Well, maybe. I don't the know. DeLorean. I'm thinking. No, he wouldn't be a DeLorean. I'm thinking like one of the original cars with the white like tires and they're like real sleek looking from like the 1930s. I can imagine that. God's that they're looking like an Italian mobster car. How did we get on this? Oh, we were talking about Pixar and then Cars 2. The car pope. The car pope, yeah. I'm sorry. Y'all. Dear Lord. <laughs> this is, we're on the border of blasphemy. It's okay. We, this car is Jesus, normal. Man. Forgive me, Car Jesus. Um, anyway, um, that's all I got in terms of film news. Oh, I guess the one thing we were talking about, people who are, like, retiring from film. Todd Fields, or Todd Field, sorry, makes me very sad. Do you guys know Todd Field? He most recently directed Tar, but he did Little Children in the Bedroom. Very good filmmaker, uh, but he takes these big gaps. Uh, his last film before Tar was in 2006 with Little Children, and uh, he has said recently that he's probably going to retire. Hmm. He said that he can't change, but he has no plans to do another film, and it's very sad because his films are very good. He's, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. I did. He's the piano player in Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. Todd Field is good, uh, and I like Tar. I like like the idea that I can't remember what her, the main character's name. What was her name? Hold on, Lydia. That's right. I mean, her last name's obviously Tar, but Lydia. Uh, the idea that she suffers because uh, uh, I'm I'm blanking on everything right now. Give me a second while I look something up real quick. But the idea that this character has, like, like, she has this issue with sound and, like, her surroundings is... I thought, I thought that was really cool. I really... I, I was fascinated by Tar. I really enjoyed it a lot. Kate Blanchett did very... Obviously, she's fantastic in anything yes. she's in. You liked it? I did. I did. Um, I'm not going to say, like, it was my favorite, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good film. Does it drag? I didn't think so. You not think so? No. I mean, it, it, I mean it's, it's two and a half hours. I mean, it's, it's a little long, but it's, I didn't think it was that bad. Like, you feel every one of those two and a half hours, like two and a half minutes, hour minutes, minute hours, whatever. We're, we're surviving. We're getting, we're making it. Yeah. Well, I think that's our show. We're going to kind of drop it off off a cliff here. Going on an hour and a half. Speaking of movies, we're, we're, we just went as long as the entire Venom 2 movie is. Look at us making feature lengths. Wow. Yeah, I know. What do you guys have to say? Final thoughts on today's episode. Congrats to A24 with the Oscars. Mm-hmm. That's it. Brendan Fraser, Kihei Kwan. Congrats to Power Rangers for coming back. <sighs> they did it. They've done it. Hopefully more cool news keeps coming out because we've had the last like two or three episodes, we've had some pretty cool stuff to talk about. 
Hopefully we can keep this train going. All right, well, that's the end of our episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you enjoyed, like, subscribe, share, do your thing, um, comment what you thought. Um, also, I did almost forget to, to comment on my scream takes last episode. I wasn't thinking of five or four. I was thinking of like three or something. I don't remember my exact take, but it was very wrong, and I want to apologize for that. Um, three wasn't very good. I didn't like it. But four and five were very meta and very cool. Now that I've corrected my sin, see you guys later. Thank you so much for watching, and goodbye.